lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with... Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Coming up uh, later on on the show today, we're going to call a bit of an audible on Theology Thursday. We're going to put a one-week pause on our study of uh, my most recent book, Do What You Believe or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. And I I got the idea to do this. I was having a conversation with uh, someone near and dear to me the other day. And they're getting back re-engaged in the church again. And then so they've been looking for a good church here in the community. And they were very disappointed that and, and they, they tried a church. They really liked it the first week. And they were very disappointed the second week it happened after the overturning of Roe. And nothing was ever mentioned about it. So they decided to email the pastor. Just a simple question. Hey, we're just curious how come it, this was never mentioned. And they received back like a 17 paragraph, and I'm only slightly exaggerating, explanation you know, and um, that really felt more like a uh, a self justification or self defense, and you know, it has all the it had all the typical American sweater vested, kiki plaited or ca- or pleated khaki, uh, skinny jean, uh, um, you know, wearing uh, suburban white cliches. We're just here to love people, you know, all that kind of garbage. Because apparently, you know, it's not loving to stop executing people. That's not loving. Were you aware of this? I'm sure it's in the fine print somewhere. Yeah, I mean, Steve. I just I wasn't aware that it wasn't loving to stop executing people and to save them from execution. I mean, I don't know if it was my head on. I mean, one of the reasons I adore my mom so much, then other than just the fact she's my mom and I'm a mama's boy, is because she could have executed me and didn't. So I don't know. I kind of have personal experience with the fact that when it's your head on the chopping block and it doesn't get chopped off, you have a tendency to feel very loved by the people who saved it from getting chopped. At least that's my understanding of human nature. No? Okay. Anyway, one of the things they said to me was, I don't know that I want to go back there. We're still kind of new at this. And I mean, I I don't want to feel like we have more conviction on what's going on around us than the church does. We're kind of looking to go there for encouragement. We're looking to go there for equipping. And I, and we, we just, we had a longer conversation about this and, And it dawned on me that I think what a lot of us need from the church these days is, pardon the sports analogy, but church is supposed to feel like the locker room at halftime. You know, you you, you went out there all week and you did battle with the enemy, hopefully. But man, you took some, you took it on the chin. You took some, the enemy scored a few, you know, got a couple touchdowns. You scored a couple. It's a battle out there, man. It's going back and forth. It's physical. It's nasty. Blood, sweat, tears. You come in for halftime. Let me get refreshed. Let me get re-energized. Hey, the coach has got, you know, uh, some game adjustments. Hey, the, the enemy did some things we didn't anticipate, threw some stuff at us we didn't see coming. That's all right. We got the answer. And you got confidence in a new game plan, and you're like, all right, man, let's, I'm ready. Let's go back out there. Let's go do battle, right? That's yeah. a pretty good analogy, don't you think? Yeah. And instead, it's, you know, a lot of us go to church, and it's like, why are you even fighting in the game at all? That's not very loving. Don't even, you know, just stand there and take it. You know, like Jesus did when he called people broods of vipers, whitewashed tombs, dens of harlots 
sly foxes, you know, just stood there and took it. And uh, when he returns with a robe dipped in blood and a sword in his mouth, just standing there on a white horse, taking it from everybody, you know, he's got to show people Jesus that. And so this morning, I, I, I've been thinking about that conversation because it's been my own lament and my own church experience at times in my life. And I hear this from a lot of you a lot. And so this morning, I, I just woke up kind of inspired to come up with something that I, that I, I wanted to hope would encourage you. Maybe give you some encouragement that you're supposed to be getting elsewhere from people better trained and, and certainly more righteous and moral than I am. But unfortunately, you don't all too often. So it'll be left to the guy who notices every pair of yoga pants at the gym. It'll be left to me to do that for you. Instead, and people like me, because the people that were specifically called and trained and equipped to do so, they won't do their job. Not that they can't. They won't. They refuse to do it. But someone still has to do the work. This is kind of the conversation we were having yesterday in another context, right? It's a conversation for every day. Yeah. Someone has to do the work. I think some of you misread what I was trying to say about Reuben and Peterson yesterday. I was not talking soterology, just strictly a cultural application parallel to that parable. I'm well aware that we're talking about salvation in that parable. But I, I was making a parallel to the cultural reality. The church had its chance. It was given. It still has a chance. It still can do it. Could step into the void and say, in the name of Jesus, we will stand. It won't. It's not that it can't. It won't. It refuses to do it. Well, there's a lot of people that aren't Christians, but they're not insane. They, they, they may not have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but they're not insane. And so they're like, uh, that's knucking futz. We're not doing that. In the name of sanity. In the name of sanity, we say stop. And so if the Church of Jesus Christ will not stand up and say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will stand up to this then lesser movements will do it instead. But it will be done. It will be done one way or the other. May not be done well. May not be done right. May not be done effectively. But it will be done one way or the other. Likewise, I'm normally the kind of guy you bring in to whip everybody into shape. But every now and then, apparently I'm going to have to be the guy that pumps you up because you're not going to get that from the sweater-vested, pleated khaki brigade, unfortunately. Instead, they're going to be offended that you would dare ask that of them. And that's when they're not talking about you behind your back, the same way the GOP establishment does, because they're the same people! They're the same people. So I will do my best to fire you up and encourage you coming up with Theology Thursday a little bit later on. Another story we won't have time to get to, but have you been following what's going on over there um, in the Netherlands and with the Dutch? 
and the and trying to comply with the EU's emission standards. And the farmers are like, you're taking our land. You're going to end up starving people. Did you know that that's, you know, this is kind of key given where we live here in Iowa. That area is second in the world in ag exports. So if right here where we live is the breadbasket of the world, that area over there, number two, would it be a bad thing coming off of global lockdowns if the number two ag export area in the world had a supply chain crisis? Would that be bad? It's all part of the plan. Yeah, indeed it is. That's why you need to plan with our friends over uh, at preparewithdace.com. That is the website for My Patriot Supply to take advantage of the offer that we offer you here on this show, which is a three-month emergency food kit. You'll save 150 bucks and get free shipping. It'll arrive discreetly in unmarked boxes with free delivery, and it lasts for well over 20 years with proper storage. That's three square meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, even snacks and drinks so that you know that you've got peace of mind for that could never happen here. Happens here again. Go to preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. Uh, all right. Also coming up, we're going to talk relive lockdowns and what their real goal were with Cheryl Chumley from the Washington Times. She has a new book about that. We'll talk to her here at the bottom of the hour. Also three non-political questions from Aaron, but let's go to Aaron now for what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Them's the Breaks. Them's the Breaks indeed. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced this morning his resignation. Johnson was a main cheerleader for stringent COVID lockdowns in the UK and has been at the center of a few scandals, including one revelation that he and other government officials broke their own COVID lockdown rules to party it up back in late 2021. Johnson will remain prime minister until likely September as his successor is chosen. Meanwhile, in Germany, that country's high court has ruled that every German soldier must take the COVID jab. One of the reasons the court cites is that it prevents the spread of COVID, which is obviously 100% wrong. In completely unrelated news, there's this from diagnostic pathologist Dr. Claire Craig, who shared this chart showing causes of excess deaths in spring of 2020 versus spring of 2022 in the United States. Back in spring of 2020, acute respiratory infection was the leading cause of excess death at 32%, followed by diabetes, ischemic heart disease at 14%, and heart failure at 7%. In spring of 2022, the leading cause of death is heart failure at 31%, followed by ischemic heart disease at 30%, diabetes at 20%, and acute respiratory infection at 10%. In further completely unrelated news, a new study from JAMA shows one in every 30 kids in the United States now has autism. That's a 50% jump from 2017. Moving on, Joe Biden was in Cleveland, Ohio, where he decried how divided the United States is. And so, folks, the third reason I ran was to unify the country, to unify it. That's been the harder part of it right now. No, I'm serious. Because we've become so divided. In completely unrelated news, Kentucky Congressman James Comer, one of the ones leading the probe into Hunter Biden's shady business dealings, announced yesterday the Department of the Treasury is not going along with his request to provide suspicious activity reports to his committee unless Democrats join in on the request. According to Catherine Herridge at CBS News, over 150 transactions involving Hunter and his uncle James Biden's global business affairs were flagged by U.S. banks for further review. Here's an op-ed at the Washington Post. Give Biden a break. 
Headline at the New York Times, the rise of the far-right Latina. Representative Myra Flores is one of three Republican Latinas vying to transform South Texas politics by shunning moderates and often embracing the extreme. This is an ad for Arizona Congressional District 4 candidate Jerome Davison. Democrats like to say that no one needs an AR-15 for self-defense. That no one could possibly need all 30 rounds. But when this rifle is the only thing standing between your family and a dozen angry Democrats in Klan hoods, you just might need that semi-automatic and all 30 rounds. Independent journalist Alex Berenson is back on Twitter after his lawsuit against the social media giant for suspending him was settled in a San Francisco court. Headline at NPR, My Body, My Choice, How Vaccine Foes Co-Opted the Abortion Rallying Cry. The story goes on to detail how the moniker My Body, My Choice no longer pulls well with Democrats because it's been used more effectively and accurately by COVID jab skeptics. In completely unrelated news, checking in on Michigan, here's Governor Gretchen Whitmer on baby killing. would love to be able to pitch Michigan as a place where every person has full civil rights, full bodily autonomy, and the ability to make a good quality quality of life here in Michigan. That's our it's a great part of the, our legacy, and it's got to be a part of our future. Senator Elizabeth Warren says crisis pregnancy centers are evil. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. She says women walk into the centers believing they'll get abortions. Instead, they try to talk women out of it. She calls it a bait and switch. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. And finally, here's comedian Jim Brewer. Vaccinators, you were real cocky a couple months ago. You got vaccinated. Got my second shot, April 19th. I can't get sick from the corona. I'm vaccinated. See this bucket of virus? I'm vaccinated. I'll even lick a metal. I'm not afraid of anything. I don't have to wear a mask. Uh, people vaccinated are getting sick. What? You need a new booster. What? <laughs> Who wants a shot? Who wants to see a ball game? Ooh, 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 ooh. shot it's safe don't worry and that's what happened while we were away absolutely brilliant that, that wasn't even comedy it was a documentary yes it was and when we have been talking the course of this year that what the devil hates the most is to be mocked to mercilessly but righteously mock the spirit of the age that might be the best example of it i have seen in recent memory is that right there 
It was righteous, but it was savage. Absolutely savage. Devastating. Absolutely a devastating critique there by Jim Brewer. That is masterfully done. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Tommy John as the summer heat melting uh, some of your uh, ice cubes and the nether regions down there. Uh, Stay frosty where it counts with the new Tommy John underwear. You're that much cooler because you're never going to find anything that is better, more flexible, more breathable, lightweight fabric, four times the stretch of competing brands. And I could continue on with the talking points here they gave me, but the reality is the best thing I could tell you about Tommy John is I just buy it myself. I mean, I I can't give a product we talk about on the show a better endorsement other than I spend my own money on it because I've tried it uh, and it's that good. And it does live up to the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. And right now you can get 20% off your first order if you've never tried them before. 20% off your first order. They do have a line for the ladies too. When you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve, that's TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right, let's go to the montage because there is uh, there, there are some good things in there, but there's a, a couple of things that I think we have to highlight first. Number one, the resignation of Boris Johnson, who has been an incredible disappointment as the prime minister of the UK. Well, I promise you, though, what will come next will be worse. I mean, it's the conservative party in the UK that yesterday installed a policy of only having single-sex bathrooms in every government building in the entire country. That's the conservative party policy. The chancellor yesterday who called finally was the, you know, there have been a a series of cabinet officials that have been resigning on Boris. And it was his chancellor yesterday that kind of was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Have you done any research on that guy? Oh, you know, I did. (laughs) Uh, Again, this is the conservative party. Uh, He's invested in studies on climate change and he oversaw the poisonous jab program in the UK last year. The West is gone, except for us. The West is dead. This goes to the German high court. I mean, it's just it's just misinformation. That's the term they like. I mean, even our CDC admits that they the jabs don't stymie transmission. It's been te- even our CDC, as as dishonest of a criminal cartel as it is, has actually admitted this in public since August of last year. August of last year. It's almost August this year. It's almost August this year. It was August 5th last year that Rochelle Walensky first went on national TV. Well, CNN, does that still count as national TV or not? I'll let you guys decide that later. Uh, but she went on with uh, Wolf Blitzed, with a homage to uh, the late great Rush Limbaugh. She went on with Wolf Blitzed and admitted that, hey, you know, they don't stop transmission. That was in the heart of the Delta wave, August 5th of last year. It's July 7th this year. That was almost one year ago that even our own lying CDC admitted this. And then turned around in September of last year and after this admission then changed the definition of vaccine to something that no longer stops you from actually getting an infection. You guys all remember this? Apparently the highest court in Germany, eh, they did not. They need to watch Jim Brewer, I think. Uh, Indeed, they do. Or... Jim Brewer's been watching them, brother, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. All right, so uh, the highest court in Germany just repeated something that is just not even a matter of opinion. 
I mean, I can understand why someone would have the opinion that life doesn't begin at conception. I don't agree with that analysis, and I think it is morally and fundamentally cosmically wrong, if not evil. But someone who is divorced from a relationship with their creator, I can understand why, and as they as they ruminate on it in their own minds, might come to, well, what are some viability thresholds to determine what is a life? I can understand why someone may come to those conclusions. Here, here the German high court basically ruled gravity doesn't exist. The sun is not hot, according to the German high court. The sun is not hot any longer. It just ruled something that's not factually true. On any level at all, it's not factually true at all. There's never any more consequences for being wrong, though. There's only consequences for being conservative. Correct. And it's, you know, one of the smartest things you've said lately is we are post-argument now. Yes. The West is dead. The West is dead. One of the largest tenant associations in Germany also just announced it's taking it's it's rationing heat and energy for its tenants, you know, like it's the 30s. Like it's the Weimar Republic all over again. Whatever y'all why? Well, because they're getting their ass kicked by Putin right now and he cut off half their natural gas supply. So whatever y'all were laundering through Ukraine, I really hope it was worth it. The West is dead. We're what's left. Now, don't don't necessarily be despondent over that because that's kind of been true for about 240 years <laughs> all right the west would have died in 1918 it would have died in 1945 the west is only alive at all because of us we 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 have been the west or at least it's vanguard since july 4th 1776 that's really nothing new what is new the rest of our ancestors in the west have flirted with the ash heap of history for centuries and we keep dragging them back into the light here across the pond what is new is we're now dangling over the cliff i mean we were a country founded founded specifically from the pilgrims to the colonies to be a last bastion of liberty east of Eden before the return of Christ. We were founded with that in mind. So this is nothing new. What is new now, though, is it is now it's our turn in the grinder. Now we're, now we're dangling over a cliff right now and deciding, eh, maybe the cliff's not so bad. Let's give it a shot. That's what's new. Don't be despondent that Germany sucks. Don't be despondent that Britain can't save itself. Take out a few years of Margaret Thatcher and how, how's, when has that not been true? You know, since we kicked them out of Yorktown. No, no, no. Be, be despondent that we're the ones dangling over the cliff here. Because we're the, we're the country with a particular set of skills. We're supposed to be the ones that prevented the, the death of the West all along. And now... We're flirting with whether or not to contribute to it. But that is where there is good news in here elsewhere. Because a, a lot of the things that the other side is being reduced to saying right now are beyond ridiculous. Just let's remove January 6th, as if we can. It's hard. 
let's remove Trump if we can. It's hard. And consider this fact. The world's richest man has never voted Republican in his life until this year. And the man with the maybe the biggest talk show in the world, Joe Rogan, have both on record flirted with, if not outright, outright said that they will endorse for president next year the governor with the most right-wing policy record we have ever seen. Like, the, the guy in Florida, for those of us that are veterans in this, as either consumers or content providers, we're like, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get away with that. And they just do the stuff that, like, we wouldn't even, like, ask Republicans, like, the radicals wouldn't ask Republicans to do because we're like, I don't think we could probably do that, you know, so let's settle for less. They just do that. This is the most right-wing agenda we've ever seen. In, in, in policy in modern times. And Joe Rogan and Elon Musk are on record like, yeah, I kind of like that. Weird. Like, weren't a fan of the Mitt Romneys, the John McCains, you know, the people, the people we had to support because they are electable. Dr. Oz. Interesting. Something real, something authentic, even if they're not sure. All of a sudden, they're like, yeah, yeah. It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I dig it. I'll hear the next track. I'm listening. I'm in. I mean, NPR saying that we've hijacked my body, my choice. If that doesn't make your day, you're dead inside. All right. I mean, when you, when Aaron told me that yesterday, I had the biggest crap eating grit on my face when I heard that. I couldn't wait to get back on the air. Aaron's like, I'm going to put that in the montage where I'm like, screw that. I'm bringing it up here in two minutes after the break. All right. I mean, that's the stuff. Just grin down your chest at that stuff. Bing. Yep. That's how we roll. Some of some people, some of my friends that I normally would align with were critical of the ad from the black congressional candidate in Arizona, I believe. Yep. And saying, hey, we got to get off this talking point that the Democrats were the real racist. Nobody cares. And I understand why they're saying that, because it does look pathetic when a bunch of white people in the suburbs say it, because nobody does care when we say it, right? Nobody does care. Right. What happens when it's a black guy saying it, though? Maybe they might care. When it's somebody from the same subculture, with the same shared history, with the same heritage, looks like them, some of the same proclivities, preferences, might care then. And what I find fascinating, whether it's this guy, and I'd never heard of him until yesterday. So even if this ad does nothing for this guy, but like Joni Ernst squeal, this is, it was brilliant marketing. Or is it Mark Robinson in North Carolina, who's probably yeah. going to be the new governor there in about right. a, in, in a year or two? What's going to be fascinating about this? It's the it's the woman in, that just got elected uh, in uh, uh, the, on the Texas, Texas border. Yeah. Myra Flores. Thank you. Yeah. Here's what's fascinating about this. All these years that they lied to us, the GOP did, about how they were serious about minority outreach, and they never were. They, they never were. They were serious to go find their own, you know, uh, just a different kind, a different colored puppet, like a Tim Scott. They were they were serious about that. They weren't really serious about real, real work into minority communities. And they were never serious about it. And now, because of how nuts they're getting over there, you're seeing the GOP make its first serious inroads with minorities that like we have seen since JFK picked up the phone and called 
Martin Luther King Jr. in an Alabama jail. Like, most of us weren't even alive for that. Or barely remember it. And here's what's funny about this. These are going to be the real radicals. They're going to be a lot more radical than the whiteies in the suburbs that the GOP is all freaked out about losing our neighbors. They're going to be a lot more radical. A lot more. Because they got radicalized and that's why they came to the GOP. Because they're like, I, this, I didn't, you know, no government program is worth this. No, no dream act is worth this. What's going on here? And you want to talk about one of my favorite words, schadenfreude. Extra butter on the tubbo corn. I'll be over here just watching. GOP, team GOP heads explode while a bunch of non-whites enter the party saying stuff that even over the years, people like me and Daniel Horowitz would be like, I don't know if we can say that. Like, I don't know if we can do that. And they're just going to do it. Like Democrats in white hoods. And I point a gun at them. In an ad, all right, stuff like that. We're just going to do that, okay? Because they don't know the history of the party. They're coming over here assuming that all these talking points that the team GOP said all these years, they believe it. And so they're just going to walk over here and be like, yeah, you know, you guys are right about this stuff all along. I should have listened. This stuff's too far gone. No government program's worth this. So we got to, you know, let, we got to fight this culture war right now. And the GOP is going to be like, oh, snap. That is going to be glorious to watch. And again, if if you're not looking forward to that, you're dead inside. There, there's some good stuff happening here in this montage today. Fellas, if you are sensitive about hair loss, I've got great news for you. Keeps has you covered. They offer the same doctor-recommended, clinically proven, research-backed treatments to stop hair loss and improve hair growth you'd get everywhere else, but... They offer you the generic version so that you save money on those. They then give you all kinds of convenience. Everything is done online with a specific treatment plan. You get one-on-one with your licensed physician, uh, and you just snap a few pics of your hair, and that's it. They take it from there. And then they make it discreet by making it all online and delivering it straight to your door, too. And then if that's not enough, they give you even bigger savings to get you started. Half off your first order when you go to Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, Keeps.com slash grow. So whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of the hair that you already have, Keeps has you covered. Keeps.com slash grow. That's Keeps.com slash grow. The name of the book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Cheryl Chumley is the author. She's also the editor of the Washington Times. She joins us here today on Blaze TV. And Cheryl, it is a pleasure to finally have you with us. How are you? Steve, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You bet. And, you know, we are sitting here with a lot of data coming out right now. Uh, Some of it uh, that uh, you highlighted in your montage, Aaron. For example, we've seen a complete flip 
how heart disease and and cancer have replaced respiratory ailments uh, as the number one leading cause of death right now compared to last spring, and that these rates have greatly accelerated. And there is no benign, innocent explanation for why this has occurred. And frankly, the most benign, innocent one, Cheryl, would be that because we locked everything down and, and let you go to the hospital for nothing except COVID or literally a life and death situation, all these pre-screens and everything else for preventative health that we used to prov- we used to provide weren't, provi- weren't provided for for nearly a year for most Americans. And now, without early detection, they're suffering on the back end. Because if it's not that, well, then we get into some subject matters that you get banned from big tech for talking about. So, at the very least, at the very least, lockdowns contributed to these kinds of data points, didn't they? Absolutely, uh, because uh, I I remember vividly, and I reported on this uh, very many times, and I showcased it in lockdown, that hospitals around the nation were ordered by governors to not treat any patients except those who came in with test positives of COVID. So it meant all these uh, patients and, and planned patients who were going for surgeries, they were going for planned medical treatments, they had to stay home and deal on their own with their own health ailments. And now we are seeing the consequences of that. And it, it, it's really abusive. It, it's what happened to kids in schools being locked down and kept from their education is happening to uh, elderly patients who were supposed to go to the hospital to get treatment for their health ailments. It's all due to COVID. The government shutdowns and clampdowns and orders, and it's very abusive to the American people. I remember during the early days, uh, Cheryl, in the immediate aftermath, March 16th, 2020, the immediate aftermath of the Imperial College survey that said we had to lock down the world or millions upon millions of people would die. And I remember researching some of the background of Neil Ferguson and Imperial College, and I came upon a name, Jeremy Grantham, and he is one of the biggest benefactors of Imperial College. There's an entire wing at the university named after him there in the UK. He's a multi-billionaire that over the last decade or so has given about 70% of his personal wealth away in order to win what he describes as the 250-year war against fossil fuels. Shortly after uh, Imperial College released this doomsday prophecy that has been debunked a million times since, Shortly thereafter, they released a subsequent paper, Cheryl, saying that now that didn't get nearly the fanfare, saying that now with the world on pause, this is the perfect time to essentially usher in, you know, what we are calling over here in our political uh, ecosystem, the Green New Deal. Perfect time to do it now. And isn't it fascinating that everything we had to do last year to save us from coronavirus that did not save us from coronavirus didn't it, don't drive, don't fly, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, ration how many times you can go to the store. Isn't it fascinating that everything that was the solution to an airborne virus just so happened to align with climate alarmist solutions for Western, quote unquote, solutions for Western society? I, 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 I don't think that's a coincidence. Cheryl, what say you? 
It definitely isn't a coincidence. And you don't have to just take a guess at that. All you have to do is go to a website like the World Economic Forum, weforum.org. And you can see in their own words, in Klaus Schwab's, the founder of the World Economic Forum's own words, under the category of the Great Reset, how they plan to take the coronavirus and the lockdowns from the coronavirus and next jump into bringing it into the climate alarmism uh, phase of their lock of their planned lockdowns. Uh, this is all about resetting the economies of the world. It's all about bringing America in particular, because America stands alone uh, with rights coming from God, not government. America has to be the last wall to crumble for this great reset to go forward. It's all about bringing about these United Nations global bureaucratic elitist uh, visions of running the world top-down governance. And it's the next phase is the climate alarmism. It's tying together the development of viruses and the expansion of viruses to climate alarmism. And there was just an interesting piece that came out in the journal Nature just maybe six weeks ago that actually directly tied uh, more viruses coming out in the world that will kill people to climate change. It, the, the logic was that as humans develop the earth and as we continue to build and populate the earth, that that will drive animals away from their natural habitats to come into contact more with humans. And since animals carry viruses, that will mean that more people get viruses and die. And so the only way to combat this uh, doom and gloom vision of death to humanity is to do these radical environmental regulatory controls that the left has been lusting after for decades now. Let's switch gears and let's take a look at some of the people wearing our own jersey. We were having a, because I know you bring this up in the book as well. We were having a conversation yesterday and we do a silly little segment on our show each week called Buy, Sell, or Hold. And one of the propositions we were asked to buy or sell was uh, someone had sent us a listing of every Republican president going back to the first Abraham Lincoln. And, 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 and we were heavily debating where Trump ranks on that list because all of us agree that appointing the justices that overturn Roe v. Wade the most intrinsic evil and stain on our society since slavery is absolutely at least a top three accomplishment by a Republican president since Lincoln. We, all of us here on, on our team agreed on that. We also agreed that it has momentous value that just as Reagan gave the Soviet Union the final push over the cliff to irrelevancy, Trump did that to corporate media. And that has opened the door for our narratives in a way that for years we have fought to get into the to get into a mainstream talking point. And so we owe a debt of gratitude for that. But on the other hand, he also made what I have said many times, I believe is the is the worst, most immoral uh, management decision in, in human history, lockdowns. He did make that decision too. And now we're dealing with the after effects of Operation Warp Speed as well with some of the data points that you and I were just discussing. And that next year at this time, when we, have a, when we likely have him and DeSantis and a few other people in a presidential primary, this is going to get very contested because if you, want, if you don't want to vote for Trump because he made those mistakes with COVID, you're justified in that. You'll have options. On the other hand, if you're like, COVID aside, this guy was a great president, so I want to run it back, you're justified in that too because that record is also fairly accurate. 
And I know you touch on this in the book, uh, th- that there really is two Trump presidencies. There's the pre- Trump presidency prior to March 15th, 2020, and then there's what took place after the fact. Help us reconcile this, if it's even possible, uh, because of this is going to be a dilemma that Republican primary voters are going to be asked to you know navigate here probably a year from now. It was Trump who shut down the country, right? I mean, that's historical fact. But, and I do go into this in great detail in the book because, uh, first off, I, I love Trump. I was an early fan of Donald Trump, and I hope he does run in 2024 and win again because I think he does great things for this country. And his Twitter feed doesn't bother me at all uh, when he had a Twitter feed. But you can't escape the fact that it was under Trump's presidency that America came to a grinding halt. And the reason I, I I make a difference for Donald Trump versus all the Democrats who came after to use fear to justify the continuation of clampdowns is that everything Trump did was out of a genuine love for America and genuine love for American citizens. On top of that, everything he did was attacked by Democrats. And usually whatever he did was attacked uh, for not doing the opposite. And then when he did the opposite, that was attacked. For instance, he wanted to shut down borders to China because he identified early on that the virus came from China, and he thought that it came from from China based on nefarious means. Mm-hmm. And he was attacked for wanting to shut down travel uh, to and from China. Mm-hmm. He went ahead and shut down travel to 26 European nations, and for that he was attacked. But after the fact, he was attacked because he didn't shut down the borders to travel quickly enough. So you can see how Trump was caught between a rock and a hard place with Democrats who early on looked at what Trump did and didn't do and decided to attack him no matter what. After the fact, Trump's big mistake in my viewpoint was seeding the White House platform too much, too early to Anthony Fauci and Deborah Birch, who are unelected, unaccountable to the people, Mm -hmm. bureaucrats. And from Anthony Fauci's uh, flip-flopping, deceptive, lying mouth came all these policies that the Democrats and their partners in the media seized upon to continue selling fear to justify clampdowns. And this is where we're at today. Joe Biden, feckless Joe Biden, uh, allowing these same sort of fear-filled policies and agendas going forth. That is well said. And I think it'll, regardless of how it plays out, it will be good to have this openly adjudicated during a primary next year. If for no other reason, than if they should try to pull something this level of existential again on a future President Trump, you might have helped scare him straight for, you know, real, recognizing some of the canards that maybe he didn't see the last go around. Uh, the name of the book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. And I see people on here that uh, I know and used to work for uh, that uh, have endorsed the book from uh, Mike Huckabee to Jody Heiss to Craig Shirley to Newt Gingrich. So good stuff, Cheryl. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. All right. God bless. Thank you. God bless. All right. Brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. So imagine you were this real estate uh, agent in Arizona. This just happened recently. I walked into work. You know, you check the MLS to see what the new listings are, how what's happening in the market that uh, you work in. And you're like, yeah, that address sounds a tad familiar. So is the house. Oh, wait, it's mine. 
I didn't put my house up for sale. Uh, they found out the hard way uh, that they were victims of home title fraud and your homeowner's insurance and your mortgage lender. They can't protect you from this, but this is what Home Title Lock does. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title so they can mobilize uh, to shut down any nefarious attempts to pillory it from your possession, because after all, it is likely your most valuable asset, or at least it is for the vast majority of Americans. Head over right now to HomeTitleLock.com and find out if you've already been targeted and you don't yet know it when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address there. And then you can also get 30 free days of protection when you use the promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, guys, thoughts on the conversation we just had with uh, Cheryl Chumley from uh, editor of uh, the Washington Times on her new book, Lockdown. What do you think? I, I think it's really interesting that since she is part of the demographic that uh, continues to prop up Biden the most, white suburban women. College educated yes, white suburban she, women, she, yeah. Yet, what's her... The antidote within her is really the antidote for Trump, broadly speaking. When she talks about, yeah, yeah, listen, uh, Donald Trump clearly has feet of clay in terms of COVID. You can't, there's no point of taking that away, trying to obfuscate on that. But she says what his mistakes are uh, not mistakes of the person who simply hates their country. And I, I really think if Donald Trump is going to survive, that is the thing that makes people look pre-COVID, post-COVID, whatever, look past mm-hmm. the, the, the whatever ugliness you associate with Trump because they are tired, absolutely sick and tired of ruining the good thing that everybody around here, and Steve, this is where you, you label it the ugly American, whatever, just like we, yep. no one had it better in all of human history than what we had and we're flushing it down the toilet and I'm sick of it and I can't stand the fact I may be the one to pass off the final loss to my kids. I mean, along those lines, I mean, she, I thought, had the exact right answer, explanation from the Trump camp a year from now when we have a contested primary. Yep. But doesn't Aaron, doesn't that answer, though, have to begin with him recognizing that the original lockdown he did was was wrong and bad as opposed to still to this very moment trying to claim as if he saved all these lives by doing this yeah you can't do it both mm-hmm. ways that well, you can you can if you're if you're only running against mike pompeo and mike pence true you will not be able to do it both ways if you're also running against ron DeSantis. then you can't do it both ways correct and i i think the way for trump to do this in, in trump's style is to actually, in no uncertain terms, call for a Nuremberg-style tribunal. Yes, in, in doing so, in doing so, you would be, you know, passing the blame on and kind of absolving yourself. But that is the Trump move, and I think that's the the move that Trump has to do. Uh, put it all on Fauci and Burks and that cabal. Put it all on Mike Pence. Heck, that would be hilarious and awesome to watch. But yeah, this is my working theory because Democrats knew all of the economic chickens were coming home to roost pretty quickly. Democrats had to know that back in 2020 in the lead up to the election. Democrats had to know that. Why would they saddle their own guy with all of these all of these maladies that we're now experiencing that were really that had their origins with Trump? Mm-hmm. And the reasons why they did that and the reasons why they definitely rigged and probably stole the last election is because they were afraid he 
Donald Trump might actually fix this. Yes. He'd be like, we can't repeat any of these things. Even if I won't admit I'm wrong, exactly. I know that we can't do them again. Yep. <laughs> That's what's fascinating about yep. Trump. I won't admit I'm wrong, but damn, I know we can't ever do any of that stuff yep. ever again. <laughs> right? And we, we can't ever do that stuff ever again over, over uh, uh, next to, we're going to do that stuff over and over and over again. That's an easy choice for a lot of people to make. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Even if I didn't like the first choice, right? It's going to be fascinating. Watching all this stuff get navigated and sifted a year from now, at this point in time of DeSantis is in the race, because he will call the, his existence will call these points into question. They'll have to be clarified. Theology Thursday is next. back with hour two here we are live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre todd erzin and all of you you can let us know who you are and what you think about what we think by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com d-e-a-c-e you can like me on facebook me we parlor and gab you can follow me at steve day show on twitter on getter uh, where else? Uh, also, TikTok and Instagram. Uh, you can also find me on Trump's Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. And then get clips of the show that you don't have to worry about being censored and you don't have to pay for when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well. And for those of you that listen to the podcast, uh, you are the biggest part of our audience. So thank you. We would ask you if you have yet to do so, leave us a five star review. And if you've got a question that you would like considered in a future, Ask me anything. Our next one's coming up here on Monday. Uh, put that question within your five-star review, and you're going to move to the, the head of the line. All right? So we appreciate that as well. And all of you that have hit subscribe and follow, you guys have been a big part in what has been, I mean, it, literally, guys, our podcast has grown by like over 300% the last couple of years. It's been crazy. So thank you very much for that. We really appreciate it. Theology Thursday brought to you by Public SQ. You know, across the country, Americans are discovering that if we want to change the country, one of the key things we must do is also change the way the marketplace works, where you have woke corporations seeking to divide us, big banks freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their stated political views, the supply chain dependent on countries that hate us. We got to change all that. And that starts with our own wallets. That's why we are partnering with Public SQ, Public Square, here on the program. That's the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. It's the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. You can download it right now in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. You can create a free account, begin your search, and you can also list your business for free there uh, so your local community can find you today. So download the app today, Public SQ. That's what it's called, Public SQ. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I was having a conversation with somebody near and dear to me the other day who was uh, getting back active and involved with the church, but has been doing some shopping around and thought they had found a place they liked first week they were there. So like, let's come back a second week, you know? And it was the week that Roe v. Wade was overturned and it was never mentioned. And they sent a note to the pastor and got, you know, basically a Rick Warren clinic on how not to stand for anything. Because he had to be loving or something. You know, without, apparently... It's not loving to save a million kids a year from being executed, I guess. That's not loving. How dare us? And one of the things they said to me was, 
is it wrong that we don't want to go to a church where we feel like it, at this very, you know, nascent stage of our own spiritual development here. And we feel like we're walking into this arrangement with more conviction than the people that are supposed to equip and teach us have. And I was like, no. In fact, that's an incredible amount of insight and self-awareness that you have by even asking that question. Because how many of us have sat in churches for too long and given our money to, um, to hold up churches for too long? Where we knew, we knew. Not even suspected, but we knew. We had more conviction about what was transpiring in the world around us than the people running the very church that we inhabited. But we rationalized it. We like this person or they've got this program from our kid for our kids, which by the way, I promise you, they won't remember when they're like 25 and the real world occurs. They won't remember any of the entertainment that they were given called a youth program. They won't remember any of that actually. And it will help them and have nothing and, and undergird them in no way, shape or form for the reality of a fallen world when they face that reality without you for the first time. Right? How many of us have just, I've done it. That's why I'm saying us. I did it. I've done it. I get it. You know, we can be creatures of habit. I can get that leaving a church is hard. Um, I've done that before and it was very difficult. And I hear constantly going back to, well, really throughout my career, I've heard a lot of this, of how come I don't hear my pastor talk about things the way you guys do on the show? And, and we're not a ministry here, formally. I mean, I believe in the priesthood of every believer. I, I believe in the Great Commission. But, but this is not, the, my company that owns my show is not a nonprofit. We are not formally a ministry. The Blaze is not, Blaze Media is not formally a ministry. It'll let people like me and Phil Robertson minister, provided enough people will watch and listen to that, but it's not primarily a ministry. I mean, the, the primary goal of our show is to advance a biblical worldview with the talents and abilities that God has us and gave us by a, by drawing the largest audience through using that worldview to analyze and comment and address and confront the major issues and the current events of the day. I am, I've never seriously considered joining the ministry. I have no interest in all the other angles to the job. I love preaching. I love doing that. That's the best and easiest part though, of being a pastor. All the, uh, the phone calls at midnight, the funerals, I don't want to do any of that. I don't have the heart for it. I've never even seriously considered being an elder at any church I belonged to, despite, you know, this job providing me a certain level of notoriety and churches have a tendency to want people like me on places like their elder boards. And I'm like, No, you need a better human being than me on your elder board. Okay. You want an elder board of people I submit to, not the other way around. So it is It is not really my place to deliver the message I'm about to. I don't think I have any specific kind of apostolic calling. 
I'm just a guy that does a show born to a 15-year-old mom that um, loves the Lord for what he did for me that he didn't have to. And I'm a very pragmatic thinker. These guys will tell you, I know I've been accused of being an idealist and a purist. These guys will tell you, I'm not any of those things. I just got through telling you a minute ago, I don't have the purity to be an elder at any church that I'd actually like to belong to. Um, I am a hardcore pragmatist strategist. How do I win in every situation? I mean, most of the conversations we have on this show, publicly or privately, amongst our, the three of us, center around how do we win? Who is winning? Why aren't we winning? How can we make them lose? <laughs> okay. And I just can't think of anything more pragmatic than let's figure out what the, mo- let's see if we can figure out what the, mo- what the only undefeated being in the history of the universe is doing, what he's up to, and hop on that bandwagon. Is there anything more pragmatic than that? Like, I think being idealist idealistic is thinking you're going to come up with something better than that it's pretty pragmatic to say all right one guy over here undefeated everybody else over here sucks i want to be on the team with the guy who's undefeated i want to be on that team is there anything more more pragmatic than that let me see i mean do i want to do i want to play with michael jordan or do i want to play with uh montel jordan i mean is it a singing competition? Are we playing basketball? Are we playing basketball? Then the answer is, I want to be on the Michael Jordan team. See what I'm saying? I do. These are very pragmatic choices to me. I'm, I mean, this isn't idealism or on, on, on any level. I can't think of anything more pragmatic than I'm going to try to get on the team of the side they don't ever that doesn't ever lose. That's 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 my big idea actually today, and of what you're about to hear. Try to get on the side that never loses. Get on that side. Try to get on the side that has the, the, the power and the keys to the grave. Get on the side of get on the side of the side that rolls stones, thousand pounds stones away and walks out of a tomb. Get on that side. I'm like, all right, I'm listening. I like winning. I'm in. Tell me more. I like winning. I like to win. And I want us to win. And I feel as if a lot of you, because it, it's gone from, how come I don't hear this more at my church, the stuff you guys talk about on your show, to when will my church ever open? I heard a lot of those laments in 2020 and 2021. I mean, I heard so many stories from people, someone who's recently become a good friend of us in our show. This is how we got to know him. This is his story. And I've heard this from many others. Someone they cared about, a loved one. That, you know, belong to a celebrate recovery group or a 12 step group that was you know associated with a church and they were an addict and then the church wouldn't reopen and they were shut off from that infrastructure, from that support system and took their own life or indulged in their, in their addiction, their idol to the point of death. And now I hear from a lot of you, I just, where's my church at? It doesn't encourage me. I'm in. I mean, I hear the guys, I hear what you shows like yours and what you guys are telling me all day long on blaze TV. I'm in, yeah, I'm in, but man, I go out there and I'm like, not today, Satan, Monday through Saturday by sat by Sunday morning, I'm exhausted and I'm ready to hit a recharge. And it's like, I'm the electric car that the wall street journal driver just found out. 
she couldn't like actually charge anywhere on a cross country trip. And then she ended up writing over the weekend, gasoline has never smelled so good. Great idea in theory, but if I can only go 250 miles a day and that's if I can find a place to recharge, I can't actually live like that. And so it sounds great. Yeah. Draw the line in the sand. Not today, Satan. And then Sunday rolls around. I'm beat. I'm exhausted. The world got its licks in. And all I and when I go into church, I'm the one that's made to feel guilty because I expected someone to recharge my my battery to make a deposit in my account. And then I'm told I have not loving enough. I'm not, I haven't done enough. And you're like, it's funny. I'm taking all these stands and I don't ever see the guy that sits in the pulpit there. He's never standing next to me when I do. Weird. I want to encourage you today because I know what that feeling is like. So I put together this devotional today. I sent it out on Twitter if you're looking for a hard copy of it that you want to share. We will post this video by itself later today. So you have a video copy of this you can share too with other people like you. I am not the one. I'm not your new Billy Graham. Trust me on that. Okay. I'm not your hero. I am not the Apostle Steve. I'm just going robots here, man. See a need, fill a need. Because I have the same hole in my soul sometimes that you guys, many of you do. Who puts the deposit back in my account? And why doesn't my church do that for me? I know what that's like. So I'm just going to put this out there because I want to love my neighbor as I love myself. So let's start with this. I think we have to see here the big picture, folks. And this is just the best I can come up with what I think the big picture is. I don't believe this was an epiphany. I didn't get a download from God. This is just me as a believer with a microphone doing the best I can to understand the signs of the times. Okay? What is happening in America right now is a battle that is going on in the spiritual realm for dominion within this culture. And it has become so heated that it has spilled over into the natural realm. And we are seeing that happen in obvious ways. And that is why every single thing now, everything is existential now. Every issue now, every issue now seems like it is a battle between deception, like the German high court saying yesterday, they're going to keep up with jab mandates because otherwise, it won't, because the jab stops the spread of the virus. It doesn't. Even our own criminal CDC admits it doesn't do that. Just a total lie. Just a total bleeping lie, man. A total bleeping lie. Just gaslight you to your face. And that's why everything seems like it's a battle between deception or control or deception leading to control or control guided by deception. That's the devil. That's his team. And liberty slash truth clarity. Freedom, first of all, from our own sinfulness, first and foremost. And then that gives us the freedom to be free as we can be east of Eden. That we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. First of our own sinful bondage. And then we will know what it means to live in true freedom. Doesn't everything kind of seem like 
That's the stakes, like everything these days. Doesn't it seem like that's the stakes? This is why. Secondly, it is important for us to never forget this. God does not lose, ever. God doesn't lose. But we do. If you read Romans 1, where Paul describes what judgment on a culture in this world looks like, you will see that this happens when we let go of the rope collectively as a culture. God will not lose, but he will see that our culture is a lost cause. That we collectively, we want the rot gut. Give it to us. We demand it. We're the mob outside Lot's house. So he will let us have what we asked for. Paul describes this as being given over to your own depraved mind to do what must not be done. That God will no longer restrain you or restrain the evil in your culture. He is not a coercive force. He's a liberating one. And if you have reached that level of ingrate, then do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. We will always reap what we sow. Faithful obedience. That is how we invoke, which, which, which means to petition, to plea for, to call upon, to ask, to request. That is how we invoke the providence of God to bless us with favor, with righteousness that exalts a nation and sin is a disgrace to any people. This is, this is why we see this language of divine providence, rectitude, the supreme judge, the supreme ruler, James Madison, the governor of the universe. What does that language mean? It is all over our founding documents. It is an attempt as students of history. They, and they didn't, but they didn't just look at academic history. They looked at history, 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 biblical history. And they see words like Moses saying to the covenant people of God, I've set before you blessing and cursing life and death. Choose life so that you may live in the land. And so this is their attempt to invoke these biblical traditions. That's why it's all over your founding documents. We're sinners too. We're terrible people too. We deserve hell too. We can't do this ourselves. The only thing that will separate us from a king who thinks he's God is for us to first recognize we are not. And so they're trying to invoke the providence of God to give favor, to bless the people with righteousness. Because righteousness doesn't come by striving. It comes by faith. And Abraham believed, had faith, and it was credited to him righteousness. Faithful obedience. I believe a momentous win like overturning Roe after 50 years of striving against it in the midst of so much chaos and deception that is going on in our culture right now. I believe that was God throwing us the rope, throwing us the rope to see who, how many of us will grab hold of it. Like Abraham and God wrestling before the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. How many righteous can there be there before you will ultimately pull the plug? 
Abraham is trying to gauge both the the justice, the holiness of God, but then also, you know, here, what's the point of no return? What is it? I believe God threw us the rope. Who will grab it? Who will lay hold of it? A cultural lifeline, if you will. Because the kingdom of God is often depicted in gardening and farming descriptions in the scriptures. And so what does a good gardener, a good farmer constantly do? What do they constantly do? They pull weeds. They don't want deadly organisms in the garden siphoning off food, sunlight, nutrients from the things that they want to grow. So they pull the weeds. They prune dead branches. Because they're dead weight. I think we are watching this kind of sifting. It's always happening. It's been happening since Genesis 3. This is an ongoing process. But there are moments in history where it becomes even more intentional. And I believe we are living through one of those moments right now in our culture. Here's what I think this means for us. Translation. That this is a time for us to show boldness for us to be bolder than ever, for us to be willing to risk the things of this world that we value and that this world says most. Just as Christ gave his life for us, what are we willing to now give for him? Because whatever it is we will give, it will pale in comparison to what he gave us. And whatever suffering or pain we will endure, ostracization we will endure for it, will pale in comparison to the suffering, ostracizing, and pain that he endured for us. I think it is a time to show our creator we have not given up. We are not black-pilled. And we do so by putting our faith in him, and then we let the outcomes come what may. We trust in his sovereignty. We stop putting our faith in demonically controlled institutions because of nostalgia and expect them to save us. They won't. Or we start fearing God more than the backlash from this demonic system. Oh no, a God-hating member of my family might call me a bad name. It might get socially awkward at the next family function. Jesus is up on a cross, man, with nails between his wrists and his feet, bleeding out, asphyxiated, starving, and dehydrated in the heat of the desert sun. But you're right, man. You're right. I might lose my Twitter account and whatever what I do. You got this. I ain't gonna cut it, man. Some of you right now are thinking, Steve, I thought this was going to be encouraging. But see, to those who love truth, this is encouragement. This is going to be the defining era of our civilization, which was founded to be a last bastion of liberty east of Eden until Christ returns. It's right from the Mayflower Compact, man. Right at the beginning. This is the time. Let your meekness fly. Don't lose your temper. I didn't say don't get angry. Totally fine being angry. But don't lose your temper. Don't lose your mind. Refuse to comply Refuse to comply. Refuse to comply. Ready for this? 
become ungovernable by the spirit of the age. Most of the things that threatens you with it doesn't want to and has no intention of going through with, at least not yet. It's just a threat, thinking that, like any bully, you'll be scared of the threat and comply. Let's find out what happens when we don't. Become ungovernable by the spirit of the age. We will not let you remask our kids because 20 dads got together or more and we're all sending our kids to school the first day without any of those Chinese face diapers. How you like them apples? In fact, and then if you throw them out, all of us dads are walking into the school with our kids that day. We'll take a day off of work and we'll sit in the hallways. What are you going to do? And we're rolling tape. So go ahead and go get your armed guard with the pot belly and the size 56 pants. We'll see if he can drag all 20 of us out. That's what I'm talking about. We will be ungovernable by the spirit of the age because resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. We will be ungovernable. We just celebrated an event when 56 signers declared we will be ungovernable to the spirit of the age. So say we all. We will be ungovernable by the spirit of the age. You could not impose this on us if you tried. So try it. This is the mission statement of meekness or power under control. Here I stand. Stand what? Against lies, deception, wickedness. I refuse to tolerate those things. I refuse to comply with your edicts that, that, that are based on those things. I refuse. Here I stand, therefore. I can do no other. And may God have mercy on my soul. Because I actually fear him and not you. I don't care what you think. I hear from so many of you who don't get this kind of the encouragement from your sweater vested, pleated khaki churches. I hope this has encouraged you at least a little bit. Hope this has recharged your battery a little bit. Hope this made a a faith deposit in your account and gave you at least a second wind. I know it still wasn't the most rah-rah team, but by my standards, it's about the best I can do. (laughs) Let's get some thoughts on this uh, after I tell you about our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet means more than just giving it food and water. That dog is a part of your family. Its health and happiness is important to you. That's why you want to make sure the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were stripped from your pet's diet By the same people that stripped them from yours. That's why you and I are taking so many supplements these days. And now there's one for your pet called Rough Greens. You mix it in with your pet's food. And you may be wondering, though, what happens after I do that? My dog doesn't like it. How about if we give you the first 14-day jumpstart bag for free? See, if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, when you go to roughgreens.com, we will ask you to pay for the shipping so that you are invested in this equation. We want you to, we think it's really good for your pets. So we want you to try it. Uh, go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Gentlemen, the floor is yours. Uh, when that pastor writes that letter that Steve started by talking about, said, you know, we're, we're just here to love people. Here's what's happening there. Uh, what, Lord, sum up the commandments, uh, sum it up in two. Love your love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's one and two. It's not one A and one B. They're entirely skipping the first one, telling you to do the second one, Amen. which is impossible to do Preach. if you don't have the first Preach. one. Preach, yes. 
They've talked a lot, and it's helpful sometimes, the cross, vertical, horizontal, that sums up those two. So there's four means of prayer. There's giving thanks, there's petition for something you've done uh, wrong, uh, but the, 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 the primary one uh, is, uh, oh, and, there, and, and, the, and need, and need, asking for something. The primary one, though, has nothing to do with those or with you. It's just worship. It's, it's, it's vertical. It's the first one. It is God and God alone. And that's what, it, it, to sum up all that Steve talked about, is what you don't get a lot. Because if you marvel at the glory of God, it makes Steve's demands there to become ungovernable so much simpler, so much clearer. Yes, hard. Yes, consequences. Yes, all that. But you, there, you, you, you get the Yoda, the do it or not. There is no try. You get that. It's simple math. You don't feel like you're doing some sort of Rube Goldberg machine that can't possibly be understood. That's not the faith God gave you. God gave you one plus one equals two. Trust me. Try it. I said last week when we were filling in for Glenn Beck that resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And many American churches has turned into acquiescence to tyrants Mm -hmm. is loving thy neighbor. Mm -hmm. And guys, that obviously cannot stand because the long course of human history has shown if you do not resist tyrants now, you will be forced to later if you have any desire to claim the name of Christ. Preach. So yep. it's con- it's it's confront now or be confronted later. Catacombs, anyone? Doesn't sound uh, doesn't sound like an ideal condition or state to me. God will still move, but I'd rather confront now. Amen. You will be ungovernable now, or you will have to fight the way we've read about in history books later. That's what you two just basically said. Amen. As the economy continues to sink and uh, the man most responsible for it uh, responds with, That's a direct quote, by the way. Uh, that is, actually. I memorized it. Yes, indeed. Um, uncanny Joe Biden impersonation there. Or spelling Louisiana wrong. That gives you some real reassurance. Uh, you might be looking for the hedge against government-induced currency debasement and economic collapse that... Smart people have been using it through the ages, and that's commodities like gold and silver. And our, our friends over at Bullion Max can help direct you there into that space if you're a newbie. Uh, right now, you can get their silver starter kit at employee pricing. They can't offer it any more inexpensive than that. Just go to bullionmax.com slash Steve. This is a kit that includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including the Silver American Eagle as well. Uh, it, but it's such a good offer. It's limited to just one per household. So get yours now when you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve. Again, that is bullionmax.com slash Steve. It is time for three non-political questions. 
We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three non-political questions, hopefully bringing a little bit of fun and frivolity to what is otherwise... uh, A journal of uh, the decay and fall of Western civilization. First question. I have another hopefully Kobayashi Maru for you. Oh, boy. If you were stuck on an airplane on the tarmac for five hours in 100 degree heat, which of these groups of people would you most want to be stranded with? 100 people in that plane who haven't showered in two weeks. Oh, my. 100 drunk, obnoxious Either Iowa for Todd, Broncos fans for me, or Ohio State fans for you, Steve, or 100 mask Karens. Give two solid reasons why you choose who you choose. So I've been in this situation, just not with the three groups you're talking about. It was for like three hours and not five. But it was actually on a flight to uh, a, a business meeting in Vegas a, about five years ago, mm-hmm. and we were uh, we had an engine that had to be replaced or something, and so they didn't want to bring it back to the gate, and so we were out there on the tarmac in the at the end of July in 100 degree heat without any air for like three hours. Okay, uh, this one's actually going to be pretty simple for me. I'm going to take the drunk inebriated Ohio State fans because of a, um, I'm at least going to have a, a a raucous conversation about something that is fun and largely meaningless. And as long as I keep my level of self-control within reason, shouldn't, you know, uh, disintegrate into something worse. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I think people don't realize that Michigan and Ohio State is not Alabama-Auburn. That, I mean, there's so much cross-pollination between the two programs I mean, Bo Schembechler was a Woody trusted was a Woody Woody Hayes' great assistance at Ohio State. Gary Moeller played for an, and, and captained a national champion team at Ohio State, became Michigan's coach. Uh, so many of Michigan's greatest players, two of the Michigan's three Heisman Trophy winners, Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson, came from Ohio. It's not as you know granular level nasty as the Iron Bowl is. Okay, there's a lot of respect between the two fan bases, particularly in my generation and older. The other reason why is because I learned this last year with COVID that I actually have a bit of an Ohio State fan base of people who were who followed this program. I won't out them. Current members of the Ohio State coaching staff. I won't give you the actual names and want them cost them their jobs by letting everybody know that they liked or retweeted my stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so um, I actually learned that there's a there is underneath the surface here. A fairly sizable amount of fans of our show. I mean, I think of our new buddy that we've gotten to know and become friends with, Kyle Lamb, the guy from Bucknuts who works for Ron DeSantis now over the last couple of years. So that's why I would choose that group of people because I trust my ability to maintain self-control with that group of people much more than I would trust my ability to maintain self-control with the other two groups, okay? The other two groups would have me thinking very dark thoughts, the other and, and the Karens in the mask by about hour three, I'll be looking for black pills. Okay, to take. I'm going to take all. You, in fact, those fentanyl called and said, "Ease off the black pill, Steve." That's where I would be. 
Good Raising answer. black flags. Good answer. Yeah, it's definitely with uh, Iowa fan. I mean, that's my 20 years living here in the summer. That's it. You're surrounded by uh, these are my sweaty, pe- hot, yeah. obnoxious, yeah. drunk <laughs> Iowa fans. These are my, of them these are in my a people. small little tube. Drunk, sweaty, and hot's no way to go through life, son. Yes. <laughs> these are my people. And I didn't it I I didn't expect it's it's a bit of the gift that keeps on giving. I, I did not expect moving to Iowa. I had no idea the level of Iowa jealousy for Wisconsin. I had no idea it existed. And here it is, and I just kind of bathe in it. And it's most fun. Iowa fans that I know will actually admit that to you, that that's well, really where the hatred comes from, is that is that literally at every turn that they feel in football and basketball, when they were about to take the next step, you guys stepped in and put them down, and you almost have the exact same fan bases, the exact same demographics, that there's no reason for you to have any institutional advantages over them. You know what I'm saying? The states are very similar. And so they will, they, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, they'll admit it's Wisconsin envy. They'll admit and, that. And listen, maybe I can't speak for in Wisconsin right now. I'm not on the message boards. I didn't like I always respected Iowa. I thought they were I thought we were just like the same thing, doing the same thing. Right. I had no hatred for I, we hated the gophers. We you know but it I so think that might weird. have been true prior to what was it, 2010 and the fake punt? And then it was like we, we had that game one and pulled off by the guy with the Hawkeye tattoo. Exactly. The head coach over there yeah. with the Hawkeye tattoo. Uh, definitely Broncos fans for me. So that we had the same same answer. I, I you know, now six years ago I might have taken the people who hadn't hadn't showered for two weeks. Uh, but now that we beat them like I don't know how many thousands of days in a row, it's like whatever. You guys know I can't do bad smells. I I'm, mean I, I know it's a dude code violation, but I will admit, I like smelling the candles at Yankee Candle. I'm a smell guy. I can't do the bad smells. That would repulse me. I can't do that. And Karen with the mask, would. I mean, I we used to have a sign here on the stage. We don't anymore. Uh, quoting H.L. Mencken. There comes a time in every man's thoughts over there. I can't get past smelling the candles. I am. I'm like Lenny with the rabbits when I, when I go to Yankee Candle. I just like to smell the rabbits. I'm like rusty with mask and the sun shining on my face. And the and I like the yellow can, the Yankee Candle smells. You should get more emails about that than about yesterday. It's so abusing the gospel passage. Way more. Way more. But no, Karen with the mask, man, I'm, I, I would be at H.L. Mencken. There comes a time in every man's life when there's nothing else you can do but raise the black flag and start slitting throats. All right. So we I, all agree that, that I couldn't do. The, yes. the, the, the ones that we would least like to be with would be the Karens, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, question number two. What's a bad take you've had specifically about something sports or pop culture related that beckons a mea culpa? To, to give you an example, I'll start on this one. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I had tapped out on Ozark on Netflix because I thought the main character, I just thought it was like another example of just the uh, wussification of America that not even our badass drug lords can actually be badass anymore. They must be introspective. And mm-hmm. that was a bad take. That was a very bad take. I got caught up with everything else that I was trying to get caught up on. So I went ahead and gave it another chance. It was a very bad take. Like a, an episode later, uh, Marty Bird, the main uh, uh, antihero, I guess, if you want to call him that, literally goes down in the stead of a drug lord and runs things in Mexico in front of the cartel for a while, comes back, gets honked at by a guy in traffic. The guy calls his wife a name, and he goes over and knocks him out. So I was wrong about that, mea culpa. It ended up pretty good. The, the show ended up pretty well. I have one just recently. I mean, I was pretty defensive of, of Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi. 
And and then we got to the last episode and pretty much everything people like Todd was complaining about ended up actually being culminated. And I've really, I kind of felt betrayed actually that I went out, you know, and I'm like, hey, I've watched every episode. I don't see what you guys are seeing at all. And then they go out there and... So we have an entire show where Obi-Wan is despondent that he, that uh, after he finds out that Anakin is still alive and has become Darth Vader, that he left, that he didn't finish the job. And so he has a chance once again and does it again, does it again. Okay. I mean, the and the, and I don't need to go into it, but uh, the ending to that show really made me feel um, that I had been uh, baited and switched. Yesterday, totally got my wires crossed. Steve was right. The Whiskey Rebellion happened before the Boxer Rebellion. Threw me off because it's a, it's two different countries. Boxer yeah. Rebellion's Chinese, and I was thinking ancient history. The Boxer Rebellion ha- happened at the beginning of the 20th century, so I was wrong. Yeah. All right. Question number three. What are the top three customer service experiences that you have ever had? Um, and I'll begin on this We're one as well. Good. Good. Okay. Customers. Uh, so Patriot Mobile, it is no joke. So just for various reasons, we don't have them right now, but I did for a few years. Um, and when they're talking, when they talk about the customer service experience, it's actually real. It's it's a really good customer service service experience. The few times that I had to call them, Patriot Mobile is the way to go. Number two, just happened a few weeks ago. What do you think of when you think of the DMV or the DOT? Pain. Long lines. Forecast pain. for today. Pain. The Warren County, Iowa, D, uh, DOT. I had to go there to get my address changed on my license. I was actually there for less than five minutes. They got me in. They did everything. They printed off my temporary license. Got me out in less than five minutes. The two people that I came in contact with were very polite and kind and genuinely acted like they were in a good mood even though it was filled with people in there and they were slammed. It just blew my mind. Blew my mind. Uh, number three, you know, I could always say Chick-fil-A, but that's all, you know, that's that, that's ingrained. I had a really good ex- customer service experience at Lowe's not too long ago because uh, the range, uh, our oven went out in our house and so I had to go pick up a new one and that was a breeze as well. So those are three good customer service experiences that I've had uh, really actually recently, uh, with the exception of Patriot Mobile, uh, because we always talk about, I mean, bad customer service experiences are like everywhere. They're ubiquitous now, but it's interesting to hear good ones. Uh, Bonner Private Wine, because free wine. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the two school principals that my children had in the current school district that I tell you about at the high school level and the administrative level is nonsense, but those guys get it. They're just like, these are your kids. Uh, you raise great quid kids. We wish they were all like that. Um, what do you need? How can we help? I mean, fantastic. And, uh, well I was, and I'm not going to like Chick-fil-A. I mean, I'm always amazed. It's those guys just bring it. All right, I'll give you my answer because I need some more time to think about it. Uh, after I remind you about our friends over at Alliance Defending Freedom, one of the things we try to do from a customer service perspective on our show uh, is to not directly ask you to donate to, donate to something. Um, what do I mean by directly? Like there might be something we think is worthy of highlighting on the show that we haven't donated to and say, hey, you should maybe consider this. 
I'm talking like a direct appeal. You should do this, okay? Unless it's something we ourselves have donated to. And our family has donated to Alliance Defending Freedom. I've known uh, the head Mikey Muck over there, Michael Ferris, for many, many years. And they have an outstanding record of success defending our God-given rights all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And they represent all of their clients pro bono, which is why they need tax-deductible donations from people like us to keep those resources going. If you would like to make one, go to adflegal.org slash Steve. Again, that is adflegal.org slash Steve adflegal.org slash Steve. And they were on the team that uh, over that overturned, uh, that helped argue Roe v. The Roe case. Thank well. you for reminding me about that. Correct. All right. So as to your question, I, I, I'm going to throw Patriot Mobile in there as well last fall because we put it off so long making the switch and I was really dreading it, you know? And I'm like, you know, let's get through the majority of the fall when things kind of slow down, you know, and then we'll do it. And they just did a phenomenal job, man. They, and, and I didn't say anything about it for a while because I, you, you wonder, are they going the extra mile because we endorsed them on the show, yeah. you know? And it was only after I started getting more emails from people that were like, wow, we made the switch and we couldn't believe how seamless it was that, okay, it made me a little bit more comfortable that we just didn't get the Blaze TV partner discount. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From a, from a, a service standpoint. Um, I want to do something... Though, because I want to be the contrarian. I like to make the contrarian play. An industry that rightfully gets almost no stars ever, airlines. There was a situation pre-COVID, uh, me and uh, my business partners, we had to go to a meeting in New York City. To It was supposed to decide my future. It didn't, but that was what it was supposed to do. Uh, with some mucky mucks over at uh, Salem uh, Broadcasting. And so we had to go meet with them in Manhattan. Meeting runs long. And uh, we get back to LaGuardia and we miss our flight and we had an airline attendant. I can't remember what airline it was, but uh, they did a phenomenal job getting us on flights on. And there was five of us, you know, so getting us on flights on other airlines uh, and we still were able to make it home within an hour and a half of when we were supposed to be home uh, in the first place on a Sunday. Didn't have to miss the show the next day and really just went out of their way to help us and whatever thoughts going to the dot uh conjure in people going to the customer service desk at an airline these days is the 17th ring of hell right okay have you did you ever get your bag back by the way (laughs) okay eventually so i when when they get it right and they got it really right in this circumstance i wanted to make sure to give them some credit and then i had a situation several years ago at a movie theater where you know, I just prop. There wasn't anybody sitting in the seat ahead of us, and I'd prop my legs up to watch the movie. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize it that my wallet had fallen out of my pocket and gone down into the into the floor in the seat. And I mean, I went home and everything. I didn't have any clue. And uh, finally, uh, because I had like their rewards app, you know, and my phone number is like my registration. You know, they were able to uh, when they saw the ID, they looked it up in their computer, saw oh, this guy's on a rewards program, and they came and and found me and hunted me down, <laughs> and uh, to get my wallet before it fell into some nefarious hands. So, yeah, that was that was that very cool. Yeah, cool. That's it. Got about thirty seconds. Left it was good. To, it was a good question to ask, man. 
I like. Yeah, that it one. just doesn't happen very often. That's why I like. I mean, there's yeah. an endless list of, especially a growing list. As we, I mean, this is the demise of Western civilization. It it seems benign and innocent, but uh, customer service falls into that as well. People just don't care. It's nihilism. But when there are good experiences, it's kind of fun to talk about because it's kind of rare. Customers also demand too much. We should do that, too. Because, listen, I mean, <laughs> yes, come on. Customers right. are insufferable. Overtime coming up. Video from Garrett Vandenbosch, virologist formerly with the Gates Foundation. You do not want to miss. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. It'll be uploaded there for you later today. Make sure you watch it. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.